Um, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, so we're back in the Stone Age doing uh, podcast stuff. We were joking, um, if you're online, we were joking. This is, there's an old TV show called Jake and the Fat Man. He's Jake, obviously. <laughs> um, we've got uh, a unique situation today. Um, my office is in complete disarray because I'm doing some painting and that kind of stuff. Sean's not here. The audio is not going to be great today. Y'all are going to be, well, you're going to be okay. So, yeah, so we're having to use a phone for the camera and we're back in the old days. We're just telling you all this so that you can be like, oh, those poor guys and see how we steadfastly <laughs> pursue the greatness of the podcast and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> we uh, had the privilege the other night to be in, uh, Tim got to teach over at the Gates Community Church in Athens. Um, I'm going to be there Sunday, Sunday. Sunday morning talking about, hey Cody, um, Randy, nice to see y'all guys, thanks for, for joining us. Um, I'm going to be trying to run the stream too and t as we're going, so if you're out there watching, um, Comment, let us know you're out there so that we can interact with you. Hey, Cody. Um, and because uh, I can't I can't see my phone to see what's going on. I'm trying to watch it on the computer. It's kind of a debacle. I'm telling you what, we don't pay Sean enough to run our stream, that's for sure. But uh, we're going to revisit some of what Tim taught on, uh, on Wednesday night out of John chapter 3. Um, talking about the contrast between... John's disciples, Jesus' disciples, John's ministry and Jesus' ministry and how that all of that mixed together. Um, so I'm going to tinker with the stream a little bit. You go start talking. Well, so John the Baptist is probably one of my greatest mentors in the scripture and has been for a long time. And I was thinking about that uh, today. Uh, and I... I think when I was younger and just really starting to grow in the Word, I was probably enamored with him because he, you see a lot of things in the scriptures where he's kind of seems fearless. Yeah. You know, he's out doing his deal one day and the, and the church leadership goes out to check him out. And, and it helps to know a little bit of the story, but for time reasons, I can't go into too deep of it. But, uh, because when we read it, we just accept who the scripture says he is. You know, he's a guy who's full of the Holy Spirit. He wore animal skins and ate bugs. And uh, he had a sharp tongue. And so we just kind of... Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, though. You know, you say, yeah, that's the, that's a manly man Christian right there. And uh, But they were going out to take a look at him, and the leadership was probably kind of ginger around him because... John the Baptist's daddy was a big muckety-muck in the church. And so John come from probably a good family. Well, we know he did because uh, right. his mama and uh, uh, Mary were cousins and they related and blah, blah, blah. So so they were probably really perplexed by this guy. And so they're coming out to check out what he's doing. And when, he, when they do, he, he like sees them coming and he's like, who invited you brood of vipers to come out here? <laughs> the, the quintessential church greeting. What are you doing here? So, I mean, you know, they, 
And, you know, some people could look at that and go, well, John just thought he was untouchable because of who his dad was. And that's, what I'm saying is there's all these emotions and probably speak and talk going on around here. But we get to read that he was a guy who was filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, I interpreted that as someone who could clearly see the things of the kingdom and how they worked and right. all that. Right. And so he became my hero because I just assumed, you know, he dressed and ate like all that because he just didn't care. And as I've gotten older and studied things in the scriptures, I've, I've come to learn that he wasn't any different than us. He struggled with life like we do. And uh, uh, it manifested himself to us. It would look like a crazy guy on the corner, on the street corner right. trying to preach the things of the kingdom because uh, of the way he dressed and all that. And I, I don't know, I kind of think he was kind of wild-eyed looking, too. Like you when you don't have your hair combed? Oh, man. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, that's the stage. You have John the Baptist doing his thing. The church is really in a turmoil because of him, because I, I think they were afraid to deal with him because they don't want to embarrass his family, and they didn't know what to do with him. And all of the crowds of the church are going to listen to John. They're not coming in the church. So he's got the church house just yeah, turmoil. And, and they don't know what to do about it. And at the same time, uh, Jesus had come on the scene. And in John chapter 3, uh, and we're presuming that you know some of this story. So I'm a little caught. I think we need to talk to people mostly that have some familiarity yeah. with the scriptures but at the same time we're not chastising people that are new to this you just have to go back and read some of this and it's easy it's all in the gospels uh but in john chapter three we're in a position where he has already seen jesus and jesus comes in and and he baptizes him and john even said that he didn't recognize who he was yeah until he was baptized because he knew God had meaning, told him. Meaning I didn't recognize him as the Messiah. You're right, 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 right. Yeah, he knew who he was. They were cousins. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I just want yeah. to clarify that. Uh, so they probably had spent some time together. At any rate, uh, the scripture says he didn't know that he was going to be the Messiah, but he knew that when he saw the dove descend on him, that that was the guy. Yeah. He knew that that was supposed to happen. And so when it did... Uh, so he's already done that. He's baptized Jesus. Jesus is all off in his ministry. And uh, uh, when we were teaching yesterday, uh, or not yesterday, Wednesday. Wednesday before yesterday on Wednesday, John's ministry effectively had ended. Right. Uh, because he was out proclaiming the kingdom. And whatever it was, however he was teaching, that the church wasn't, I, I, I associate it like, the church was just kind of cold and dry, you know. Uh, here's the scripture, here's what they say, and then they'd meander on like men do, trying to act they know what they're talking about. Well, I want to interject something there, too, because this relates to what I'm going to be teaching on Sunday. And I'm going to be talking about, in Hebrews, well, it really starts in chapter 4, but Hebrews 8 particularly, where he talks about all of the stuff in the Old Testament, the accoutrements of the temple, all the stuff the Jews in John's day would have been teaching in the synagogues yeah. were just shadows of the reality. Yeah. And they missed the reality of the Messiah in Jesus because they were worshiping the shadows that were supposed to point to him. And so 
the thing that John was doing, the statement you made was, you know, I don't know what they were doing in their church, what they were missing, but um, <laughs> I said a delivery guy pull up outside, my dogs hate him. I hope he's okay. Um, but uh, where was that? Oh, the shadow versus the reality. Yeah. That's what was happening in the synagogues, is they were focusing on the shadow. The, the reality had come and they missed it. John was out there uh, professing and, and witnessing to the reality that was coming, and that was resonating with people because they were done with the shadow. They, well, they, I think they were using the same scriptures too, but John could take that scripture, and it was just like, wow. Right, it was real to them. Yeah, it was, well, not just to him as he was preaching it. That's why the crowds were going and listening to him. It's making the church elders look bad. Uh, and he wasn't even trying to do that. Right. <laughs> so, yes, you're right. The shadow versus the reality. And John, I don't even know that he knew he was making it real. He was just obeying what right. had been infilled in him. Right. And uh, But I think he probably struggled between those two. Sure he did. Sure. Uh, and I say that because I'm older and I've been through church tradition and I've done my own thing and I've done all that. And, and uh, uh, so I, I think it's a big deal to remember that that was a guy who struggled with what he was trying to teach as well. And how to walk and talk and act just like we do. Well, and he was trying to make sense of what he knew to be true with what he was seeing. And that's, for me personally, that's just been a constant. Because sometimes you think you know things, you think you see things well, and maybe the reality actually starts to come to you. And it discombobulates you some. And he even experienced at the end, they were fixing to cut his head off. He sent his disciples, go make sure right. this is the guy. And, yeah, you know, people bag on him a little bit about, well, he was he had doubt, you know, whatever. Well, sure, he had doubt. They're about to cut his head off. Yeah. And I don't think he had doubt in the Messiah. He didn't have doubt in Jesus. He had doubt in his own ability to discern the truth. Yes. And, yeah, that's a, that's a great and that's a great way to look at it. Because I know I, I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago. Was, this is why it's fresh on my mind, is, is that I don't have doubt a lot of times in in Jesus or the kingdom, or the, but where my doubt comes in is my ability to see it well, because yeah. I've screwed it up too many times, um, and and I've, I've screwed up. I think, oh, this is it. This is the way. This is the truth, and it ain't. It was me, you know. And so I, I bag on myself a little bit, and I put myself into oh, that's just you know, Eeyore moments. But it's important, you really brought this out Wednesday, to remember that even people like John the Baptist, Abraham, Paul, they're just people. And they struggled with some of that same stuff, too. And yeah, we're not just saying they struggled. You can you see, see it in the yeah, scriptures exactly. that they struggled. Exactly. And a lot of us in the, in the, you know, when you're in the ministry world, so to speak, it's amazing how we try to cover for each other. And yeah. so, you know, we'll make excuses for John or we'll make excuses for what Paul was going through or something like that, like like they need that. Well, we do the same thing for God all the time. Yeah, that was my next statement. <laughs> we'll, we'll, when we don't understand what's really happening, we'll come up with something that we hope sounds like it's logical sounding and all that. So our logic doesn't match up to God's logic in any stretch, well, manner or form. It, it looks like this. Here's what people will say. Well, surely Bartimaeus wasn't crippled or blind. He was blind. Surely he wasn't blind his whole life by God's will. That's that's not it. We know that's not God's will. He would never do he that. He would never do anything like that. 
Um, surely there's something else. And that's what the disciples brought to it. Well, who sinned, him or his parents? Because it can't be that you built him that way on purpose. And Jesus' response was like, yeah, you missed it all. Um, he was this way for this moment to bring glory to the Son in this moment. And I promise you, whatever position we happen to have in heaven, we're going to be looking to the backside of people like Bartimaeus. Oh, as they're man. closer, I mean, I, and I, and I, no, I can't give you a book and chapter. That's how I'm just saying. That's how I envision it. Oh, that the more you sacrifice, the more you give in terms of the more he puts us through. Sometimes, like Watchman Nee and those guys, I, I envision it like they get to be closer to the throne. That's just in my sanctified imagination, as David would say. And so, I, I often think that guys like Bartimaeus, they're going to be right up there. The old Baptist used to say, under the spout where the glory comes out, whatever that means. But um, Yeah, but see, that's even a good way to look at it. To me, that's a positive. If oh, yeah. I have to be looking at Barmaze's back because he's closer to the Lord, I'm good with that. Yeah, And I, I, I respect what the Lord did to him and through him to make that point, even right. if it was yeah. that one-time thing. Yeah. But with all that said, so I guess my point here is, is we're... we're we're talking about all these things, but don't. What I want you to keep a hold of is, is that John the Baptist. If you come from a church background, you're just going to automatically give him credence, and you're not going to see the things he struggled with. Right. If you don't have a church background, you might look at that and go, "Well, if that's really some messenger of God, I'm not really interested in having to deal with that kind of stuff." Right. You know, either one of those are okay. The point is, is to look at a guy like him and go. And and John pursued that position, right? So that's what we call looking in the face of God, right? And I don't, I, I'm not telling you that this is scriptural or this is what the scriptures say. I'm just looking from from human standpoint in the crises that I have found myself in, trying to figure out what God wants, what He looks like, how He talks to me, all those things. Uh, it drives me crazy and puts me into depressions sometimes. You say, well, that can't be because it says that his his burden is light and all that stuff. Well, we're always talking about transformation and, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, sanctification. Sanctification. Uh, what that means is, is he's you're working towards something. And so all those moments, and, and let's just go with the depression thing. I'm labeling it that way, but I'm not, you know, I'm not on Prozac and... He's not talking about clinical depression, he's talking about depressive moments. Yeah. Uh, Being in the dumps. At any rate, uh, what I have learned when I'm in those places is that I've got an idea of how the kingdom and God should be doing what they're doing. Mm. And it's not doing And I don't know what to do with it because the simple way would say is that I can't relate to it. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says I can relate to it. I just don't want to relate to it the way it's supposed to be related to I got you. Now, with all that said, though, that is honing me, and that's what John the Baptist was doing. So, I mean, he very well, and you got to remember the fact of who his family was, his birth lineage, all that stuff. He, he could have been in that same line and been well-respected and had position in the church and plenty of money and... And he refused to do that because the spirit within him was showing him where the face of God was, so to speak. 
and he was in that struggle of well, and I think of working through that. I think part of the reason that John the Baptist wore goat hair and ate locusts, you know, you said the other night if he wore a little dessert, he put some honey on his grasshopper. And I think some of that is is true in the same way that one time Jesus spits and makes mud pies to heal a guy. One time he sticks his fingers in his ears, you know. Um, uh, I, I He just does it different. John had every reason to do what you just said, to be the Billy Graham of the day, as it yeah, were. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't. And, and I think part of it is to throw us off. I mean, we, we, you said Wednesday night we hate formulas. Yeah. Um, God hates formulas. At the same time, he prescribed very formulaic worship in the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes and changes everything. Jesus literally changed everything. New covenant, new everything. Did away with the festivals. Did Not that it's wrong to continue to do them. Yeah. I mean, Paul and those guys still did it. And even respected them. And respected them and, and got the truth from them. But at the same time, it's like in our it's in our DNA to try to what is it that God wants us to do? Oh, it's X. Okay, well here's the formula to get X. Like it's some sort of an algebra problem. And that's what we do when we're trying to figure God out. And I can see Matt, and I can come to Matt's house, and I can be in his place. So that resonates with me as just as a creation. So instead of having to struggle to look at God's face for it, it's a lot easier for me to go over here of somebody that I respect. <laughs> Say, how does this work? Yeah. Well, somebody who may have a well-meaning heart, you know, well, this is how you do it, da da da. And somebody that's, and later on in the conversation with John here, so we were going to talk about his disciples, the guys that followed him, and uh, they got a little nervous about all the people going off to to Jesus, yeah, and leaving him, and they got a little scared about that. And later on, they're coming in and they're like, hey, this. This guy you've been talking about, everybody's going over to him now. <laughs> and I think they expected a reasonable, logical explanation. And that, I'm making the point of what we're talking about there. Uh, John, John just looks at him and he says, you can receive nothing unless it's been given to you by the, by the kingdom. And that's not the answer they were looking for. Right. And he wasn't saying that to beat them up. I think he was saying that because he's going, that means you've got to look at the kingdom all the time, not what everybody says is the kingdom here. And we, so that there's this tension there. Well, we think that Jesus even chastised some people, or was it Paul? I always want to say Jesus did everything. But he's like, yeah, but he did. He said, you know, no, he did. He said, to the Pharisees, he said, he chastised them for, the, for reading the scriptures. He says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And we were He's in, talking about the physical, physical book right. and the words in the page and being an expert at where and, that is now. And we can look at that now in our enlightened intellect and go, yeah, but what he meant was. Right. And and, and yes, we would probably be right. But what he but what he was pointing out was is that they were thinking, if I memorize these books in this order, if I did it this way, if I did the bar mitzvah right, if I did the whatever correctly, that equals eternal life. And we, we poo-poo them. Oh, they were the Pharisees. They didn't know anybody. They missed the Messiah, a bunch of knuckleheads. And we're over here going, well, if you'll just have the right church growth model, you'll get all the people in. Even to the point of when we encourage people for evangelism, you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, you invite them to church. 
Well, maybe. That's a good tool. It's a tool. Um, but it's not the only tool. Yeah. And, you know, well, you got to do evangelism explosion. Well, maybe. You know, that works um, for some. Or I, But I also know some people that you start the evangelism explosion stuff with them, and they're done. They're like, ah, no, no, no. You know, I don't want to hear all that. But we're not bad-mouthing programs no. necessarily here because there's They're great so stuff. many of them out there. Well, okay, let's, let's bring it home. You can say, well, if I listen to the Crucible's Fire podcast, that's how it's going to work. No, yeah, that's not it either. It's We're constantly thinking that, give me my checklist of stuff to check off, to do correctly, and I'll be in. Well, which one is the real way to do it? And then we fight about that. Oh, man. And and I think part of the beauty of, of the story in John chapter 3 is, is, that, is that, A, John looked like a crazy man and was 100% doing what the Spirit was telling him to do, even when he didn't understand it all. Yeah. And he was so in tune with the Spirit that he was able to shift what he was doing, which was to point to the Messiah when it became time. And, and he did it more than once. And He yeah. He made that proclamation right. several times. Yeah. Yeah. And he kept working, too. He kept doing his thing. He kept doing what he'd done before, because, I don't know, in my estimation of that, he didn't know what else to do. Yeah. So he just went on doing what he was doing, and it probably felt kind of empty and hollow to some degree. And look how Jesus looked at him. That's what Tim and I are always yeah. talking about, is look at how God deals with people, and it'll help you understand the nature and the character of God. So you've got this crazy man doing his thing, defers to Jesus, keeps doing his thing to some degree, and what does Jesus say about John? Yeah, they came to ask him about it. And he said, uh, men that are born... Which is which is it? all of us. Yeah, <laughs> there's no one greater of men born of yeah. a woman. Yeah, and that's an eternal proclamation. He didn't just mean at that day and time. He means me and you and you. And the, we see another one of those in the book of Job. Yeah, yeah. And that one really was an eternal one. Yeah. It's God telling Satan... And even setting it up, and that. But the point is, is that in the very first few verses of the book of Job, you could almost just tear the rest of the book out because Job is a solid individual relative to how God saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. what a resume. <laughs> right. Point. And so Jesus did the same thing here. And while you were saying that, I was thinking, I said, well, well, why didn't they go help John so he didn't have to suffer in prison and all that kind of stuff? You know what? Ask Jesus that whenever we get there. But it means something that he said that. Yeah. He wasn't just giving some platitude about John. Yeah. That's right. the kind. That's yeah. almost, in my mind, it's almost like the same kind of statement when everybody was coming to get Jesus and they said, who are you? And he said, I am. And they all went, boom, they <laughs> fell over. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's the same kind of a proclamation. Yeah. Well, and, and we've got it in our minds that if we're going to be the greatest amongst men, then that means everybody's going to follow us. Everybody's going to be. You know, gonna I'm going to be right all the time. Right all the time. Things are going to be simple. I'll never yeah. have doubt. I'm never going to be upset. The money's always going to be there. I mean, everything's going to. That means God's hand is moving. But God's hand was moving with John. God, he was doing, everything was going according to plan, and he lost his followers, all went somewhere else, 
He looked like a crazy man. He got his head cut off, and in that moment, he had doubt. And God oh, said, yeah. not, not a greater one. So what you see, well, you know that he had the Holy Spirit in him. So he had the Holy Spirit, and he still had his flesh, just like we do. And you see a struggle there, yeah. just like we have. Yeah. So in the same time period, when you got John in this scene, you got his disciples in this scene, and then John chapter three, there's a there's there's the confrontation between him and his disciples. Yeah. And you've got Jesus over here. In the same time, all this is going. And when you see Jesus running around, he's not eat up like John is. Yeah. He's. What you see in him and all of his actions, yeah, he got mad and yeah, he got scared and yeah, he got all the same stuff that we do as, as a human. But he seemed to be able to walk and talk and things were like what you talked yeah. about. In the When I got things right and I got God figured out and all that, things are going to flow really well and I'm not going to have any issues. And that's what Jesus is walking around doing. Because he truly was God and man. He is living the life that Adam and Eve should have lived before the fall. That's why they call him the second Adam. That kind of expectation of you know, whatever comes up, no big deal. I'm in the face of God and I walk and talk with him and everything's great. Yeah. That's what it looks like when things are right with God. Yeah. Well, no, but he was Jesus. You, 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 That's a different day. You're kind of missed. Well, kind of, but well, not really. We, I'm not telling you that we're Jesus and that we're God. But when you're rightly related with him, the way he intends you to be rightly related with him, and in this life before, well, actually the Bible says that you can walk and talk like yeah. that. And we see it in all the disciples whenever they, after Pentecost, and they came to understanding. They were dealing with all the stuff John was dealing with now, except they were happy about it. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's a very simple way to look at it. But not only were they happy with it, they could explain what was happening. Exactly. And so it, all the brush stuff didn't didn't mean anything. Well, I mean, and it's looking at the time we gotta we gotta land the plane today. But what really impacted me, I guess, the most Wednesday night was just the stark reality that John was just a man. Yeah. Um. But he was a man walking in utter and complete obedience, and. And Even when it frustrated him, he didn't know how to take it or do it with it. Exactly. That's and, what I see when he turned around and told his disciples what he yeah, said. Yeah, and he was frustrated, and, and they were frustrated. Everybody was frustrated. <laughs> and the only thing that he really knew how to do is what he did, and he did well, which is to look to the, look to Jesus and look to, look to what is real. And the thing that started that whole thing when I taught that was, and what I admonish everybody here, I studied John the Baptist as just looking at him as a man. How I would look at him, how he was dressed and walked and talked and did all that stuff. And if he was doing it here and I didn't know who he was, how would I look at that? Right. And so I, my, my admonition is not just John, but anybody in the scriptures. Pick one. It doesn't matter who it is. And, and analyze them from that perspective and then watch what happens in whatever length of time God dealt with them. Yeah. And what that teaches you is, or at least me, uh, it taught me how to stand up under all the things that are going on, but what it really taught me was is how God really deals with people and how he works with them and how he works himself through there. Yeah. That's what I started learning how my God really was. And and I'll add to that that that's one of those things that y you can't teach somebody in an academic setting. 
Right. We can we can pile kindling around the fire. We can give tools in the tool bag to help to identify that. But you got to live through that. You've got to put your face in God's face and contend with Him. When He talk, Paul talks to Timothy about contending for the faith. He's not just talking about fighting people out there to make sure that the truth of your faith is right. He's also talking about when he talks about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It is a contention in your own spirit of contending with God like Jacob did. And that's not fighting with your brother over how things no. are supposed to be. That's fighting with God in his face and fighting with him over it. And, and fighting with him and fighting with yourself. Well, yeah, that's what it's the same thing, it's yeah. A, when you hit somebody, it hurts you too, usually. <laughs> exactly. Um, a couple things. Um, we're going to be at uh, Gates Community Church on Sunday morning. Um, keep your first couple of weekends of June open. We're going to be doing a uh, Kingdom Vision conference here locally. Details will come out as we get them. They're not quite there yet. Um, and be in prayer with us about a trip to Puebla. Mexico with Brother Antonio Torres to train some pastors down there. We're trying to put that together as well. Um, got lots going on. Um, prayerfully consider maybe supporting the ministry if you could. Go, go to thecruciblesfire.org forward slash donate um, if the Lord would lay that on your heart. And a real simple way you can help us is share the podcast. When this comes through your Facebook feed, just share it on your, on your, your social media and stuff um, just to help us gain some traction. We love you guys. We appreciate it. Sorry we missed last week. Tim just said it. Uh, life has been an explosion for about two months. Yeah, for, me. And for him. And then I was out working as well. I mean, I just couldn't make it. And sometimes that happens when we have to make tents for a living. So uh, you guys have a great day. Have a great weekend. If you're around the, the storms today in East Texas or in Texas, just be careful and be safe. But don't don't forget, God's still sovereign. And uh, and. That doesn't always mean that the storms blow over. Sometimes it means he just helps us ride through it. So you guys have a good afternoon, and we'll see you later.